You are now listening to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. I'm Christian Babcock, the host of the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. And what we do on the podcast is we talk to disruptive companies in the outdoor industry, talk about innovative hunting solutions that are changing the landscape, as well as offer you tips and strategy for more successful hunts. All in all, I just want to help you become a better hunter by providing you with high-quality knowledge and information that you can trust. Stay tuned. This week on the podcast, I'm joined by Braxton Byers. Um, He is the, I guess I could say, host um, of the page Follow His Arrow, and his wife, Jessica Taylor Byers, is the host of Follow Her Arrow, if you guys are familiar with that. Um, but I'll just let you start out by uh, maybe telling the listener who you are and uh, what you do. Yeah, Follow His Arrow came about. I mean, to be honest with you, Jessica started Follow Her Arrow, and uh, she kind of started growing pretty good and started getting a lot of hate. So I, I started a uh, Instagram just out of basically to stand up for her. And be a keyboard warrior back. So I, uh, I wasn't following his arrow at the time. I can't even remember what it was. But then I kind of just changed it, and we kind of teamed up, and uh, just follow his arrow came about, and uh, it just kind of you know uh, tied us together a little a little tighter. Mm-hmm. So that's that's. I mean, it really all came from. I didn't have a Facebook. I didn't have anything, and. Uh, some of the messages that you know she was coming home and telling me about and i was reading it just hard for hard for a husband to see his wife get talked to that way and not want to you know fight back for her so i kind of it kind of me getting an instagram page that's how it started and then and that didn't last very long and it went to uh follow his arrow and that's what it's been since nice so I know you guys are, uh, are you, are you a native Texan as well? Yes. Oh, awesome. So are you guys around the temple areas? I think that's what she told me. Yeah, we're right around Temple Belton. She grew up in a little town called Salado. And, uh, I grew up about 30 miles from there in a little town called Rogers, Texas. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of new to the whole Texas hunting scene and I'm from Oklahoma and What's really funny is um, Texas and Oklahoma have, I mean, I think around the same amount of public land, which is kind of, to me, to me is sad. Right. So, because I know Texas is disproportionately bigger and, you know, being around Austin and looking around and seeing, you know, 300 acre tracts of land, like it's kind of depressing because I know when I was in college, there was five WMAs within an hour and they were all 20,000 plus acres. So there was plenty of land to hunt and just, I don't know. How do you, how have you kind of combated the, uh, the lack of like central Texas public land? Like how's that worked out for you? Well, I mean, you know, from the time growing up, my, my dad was hunting and things and we always had, you know, lease land that we would go to or, you know, friends that would let us, um, hunt. And then whenever I started guiding and doing things like that at a young age, uh, just talking to people, I, I do wish there was more public cause you know, Texas is growing so fast and it is, it is, there's tons of people moving here and there really is no, unless you know people or want to pay big money for, you know, overpriced land and, mm-hmm. There's, there's really no way to hunt unless you go way west or, you know, to some of the bigger national parks. But, uh, and then I still think on, on, you know, like in Big Ben and stuff, I think it's a lot of draw hunts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> what I was seeing was there, there is some, um, there's a little bit of public land around Austin, but it's kind of interesting to me that, you guys have certain WMAs that are only, that are only walk, like are only permit. So like we have some that are like, 
there's certain months of the year they'll be closed because of like special permit hunts. But like, I, I don't know. It was, it's just kind of weird to me that the whole Texas system of like, you know, a lease is a, a decent lease is, you know, five grand and, you know, more like fit, 10 to 15 if you want anything South Texas ish. But it's just a, it's a whole different culture of deer hunting because, I mean, I didn't grow up hunting huge deer, but I know, I just know South Texas has, you know, some, really some of the biggest deer in the world from what I hear. Um, yeah, uh, South Texas is a, uh, I don't know if they have some of the biggest, because I've, I've had the fortune to actually hunt the Midwest, mm-hmm. but the, where I think, you know, the South Texas, the brush country stands alone is the number of, you know, big quality deer, 150, 160 class deer that are there, whether it's a high fence place or low fence. I mean, you know, I've, I've been on some big low fence ranches and look down the Sendero and there'd be four, five, 150, 160 inch deer standing there. Gosh, dang. That's insane. I'm, I mean, I remember growing up and, and watching, have you heard of Tecamani? Yes. Yeah. So I remember watching that at like two or three a.m. as like a like a twelve year old, and I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna go down there and hunt one day. And so now I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm a few hours from being able to do that and realizing it's like, where do you draw the line? But but between you know like what's a what's a healthy amount to spend on something that you're passionate about, but also right. also what is not being very uh, like wise with your money or being a good steward of what you have. Yeah, for sure. And, and you, know, you got to look at it. I hear a lot of people griping and about, you know, the lease costs in Texas and all this. And but you got to look at it at both sides. You know, the, the landowner, if he's not a hunter and he's going to lease it, why would he not put it high? Because he's going to get it. Mm-hmm. And it it's terrible for guys like me that can't afford it anymore. Um, you know, the, Jessica and I right now in Texas either go to friends' place or we're lucky enough to have you know 800 acres right here where we live in Central Texas that we're able to hunt on. But it, I try to look at it from both sides. But the 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 lease land in South Texas, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I was looking. I mean, what what's a good what is something you'd be willing or how much would you be willing to pay like per acre for, for like some good, not South Texas, but you know, just central Texas land or I can, you know, manage a, a decent amount of deer and, you know, have the opportunity to kill some pretty good deer. You know, I, I really believe, uh, you know, land around here and then they do kill, you know, good deer. It's nothing like South Texas, but we, Right here where we live, there is 160-inch deer killed every year. I mean, in this general area, they're not like South Texas where they're pretty much, you know, roaming all over. But I would say lease a good fair lease is around this area, Central Texas, is 2,500 to three grand for a year lease. But you know, right that's where I feel like it's fair. Yeah. But right, right now they're going for even more than that here in Central Texas. Man, that's insane. I just, mm. yeah. I mean, I I was talking to a guy the other day, and I really, I really want to talk to uh, the Texas BHA, the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers Association, because I wrote a comment on on their post the other day talking about, you know, there being no public land within a few hours of Austin. They were like, and I was like, we, and they replied back. I was like, well, how about we just talk about it? So I'm excited to have them on the podcast to talk about that, but. Uh, oh, yeah, I, those guys know 10 times about it, you know, more about it than I do. Cause like I said, I haven't looked in, I know some places where some pretty good deer have came off of, you know, public land. But again, I, I believe the places that I know are, are draw or there's stuff you have to go through to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, this guy that I was talking to was even, even telling me that, uh, that you have an opportunity to hunt exotics on, on like Texas public land. Like there's literally some like free range exotics, which I had no idea. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not for sure of that, but I, I mean, just seeing how 
they thrive here in, in this part of Texas that I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it at all. So Jessica was, <clears throat> she was telling me kind of how you have been, um, just like kind of a mentor towards her in, in bow hunting and, and really hunting in general. So I was just, I always like to ask, you know, what got you started in bow hunting? And I know me personally, I got started, you know, out with a rifle and I'm, I'm sure most people did, but why, why is that, um, kind of, navigated you as it's as it's your method of choice well i mean yeah i started out the same way um i started deer hunting when i was five years old and fell in love with it you know that's all i wanted to do i i can remember being so excited on saturday mornings just to watch monster bucks or jackie bushman or all those tv shows and i wasn't big enough to get a bow yet so i started hunting with a rifle and uh, we had, my parents moved houses and the neighbor was a younger guy. I mean, in probably in his mid twenties and he was, he always was back there shooting a bow and he kind of got me interested in shooting bows. And, uh, so my dad, it kind of got my dad in, interested in, you know, buying a bow. So when he bought his first one, he bought me a little bow and I started bow hunting or shooting a bow when I was eight years old and never never quit. So as, how is, uh, you know, what does that progression look like for you? I mean, was it, was it a little rough at, at, in the beginning? Did you, did you miss some deer? Did you wound some deer? Uh, how, how did that look? Well, honestly, to be luckily, I mean, just luck. I've, I've wounded two deer, but not when I first started. I, uh, and both of them have been does. Mm-hmm. Um, but the truth to that is when I first started bow hunting, I can, I can remember right now off the top of my head, three bucks that I shot at and it took them a little while to actually run off. I think me trying to knock another arrow ran off. That's how far I missed them. <laughs> but growing up as a, you know, I, even when I was rifle hunting, it used to get me so worked up. And it still does. Just now I know how to control it a little better, but I had buck fever so bad whenever I was a kid. So I, I can remember, you know, first shooting light and knocks and I shot at a buck. Uh, I think it was a, it was a really nice eight point. I'd had him. It was still whenever cameras, you had to take the roll of film and take it to the, store and get it printed out and mm-hmm. i had pictures of him and i was hunting him and i i saw him coming in and i shot I, there's no telling i mean it was six feet at minimum over his back <laughs> that's awesome i mean it's funny to look back in retrospect at moments like that they're not awesome in the moment oh yeah i but you know it makes you it makes you work harder yeah and then you know the 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 two does I lost, you know, it, that made me work harder. That made me really try to, and really try to focus on what I was doing because after it, after it happened, when you're sitting there thinking about what you could have done different, you know, I know in those moments that I might maybe rushed or, you know, maybe didn't take the time to really check my yardage when I had time. Mm-hmm. So it, it really, it really taught me to, you know, really process everything in my mind before, uh, before the time came. Yeah. I mean, it's all, all of it's a lesson. I mean, that's, that's bow hunting. It's one of the most gratifying and it's the highest of high, lowest of lows. It's also the most humbling thing that you can oh, do yeah, as well. It, it is. And I've, I have been through, you know, some slumps shooting my bow i've hit deer bad and and just got lucky and found them you know but Mm -hmm. bow hunting is so and i have this problem with jessica really because she's a perfectionist you know i i try to preach to her and everybody who asks me about hey what bow should i buy i'm getting into bow hunting or you know what arrow should i shoot i shoot hoy and not because I feel like Hoyt's the best bow. I mean, I do personally, yeah. but 
I don't tell people that. I tell you, you want that bow to pick you. You want to shoot everything you can because bow hunting is so much in your mind. If your mind is right, you're going to be so much more successful, whether it's target shooting or shooting at a live animal, whatever you're doing with a bow and arrow in your hand. If your mind is right, you will be 10 times more successful. Yeah, I could. I totally agree with that. I mean, what is that? What is your training regimen for for bow hunting look like now? I know you guys have an acubo. I know. So what? I mean, how often are you shooting? Are you a year round shooter? Or what does that look like for you? Oh yeah, we we shoot year round. We built a uh, a nice little archery range out. It, you can shoot. I mean, a hundred however far you want to shoot, but we have it set up where you can stand in one spot, shoot 20, 30, 40, 50, and sixty. And the targets stay outside. They have little canopies over them so the sun and stuff doesn't tear them up. But we try to shoot, I don't know, probably four days a week, Mm -hmm. every week that we can. And, I mean, a good training that that I really have to um, talk to Jessica about is probably my biggest is we we shoot at these dot targets all the time that are, you know, a 50 cents piece in size. And, and Jessica's the world's worst at it. She can shoot at that thing at 60 yards and hit an inch right or an inch left. And she doesn't hit the dot. So, you know, it gets in her mind, like, I'm not shooting good. I'm not hitting the dot. But then you take that shot and you put a, a you know, a 3D animal out there and you shoot that animal. Well, you're in the vitals. Yeah. It's, so I really like to, you know, shoot dots to you know, really focus, but then we like to shoot at a, a life-size animal just for your mental, you know, so you're, you're focused, you're feeling good with all your equipment and you're not sitting there thinking, well, I hit, I hit an inch right on that dot. I'm not, my bow's not on or I'm not shooting good. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's something I've seen. That's something I've seen from myself is like, you're you're shooting on the bag target and you're hitting you know you're hitting okay or you start even so even if you're hitting really well like you're grouping you know at 20 yards or 30 or 40 you're grouping them all really well on the bag and then you switch you switch to 3d i got me a uh i think it's a it's called a shooter buck it's a it's a 3d deer target and man going from that where on a bag i feel like on a bag I don't have to concentrate enough because I, I know that if I just want to pull one off, if I just pull through and it's relatively close. It's going to hit the bag, you know, I'm right. not, I'm not going to yeah. sail an arrow. I'm not going to lose anything, but on that, on that buck, man, if I don't pull through, if I'm not level, if I'm not steady, I'm shooting over it, under it, you know, it's just, it's really humbling. And it's yeah, like, it makes, it makes you concentrate and it gets that side picture stored in your mind. Like, you know, so when the, when the time comes that that's a, a real animal out there, you've already seen it, hopefully, and you know what it looks like there. Yeah, your adrenaline's going to be, you know, pumping a little different, but mm-hmm. there's kind of, there's kind of things you know you can do for that. And we we've done it, you know, whether that's drop down and try to do ten push-ups real quick or jog and then grab your bow and shoot it. I mean, there's there's ways to get that heart rate up, but practicing as much as you can and making it as real as you can is really what we, we try to do three or four times a week. And, and you got to make it fun too. You know, you, you, uh, shoot at the bag all the time and then you kind of get bored with it. So I'm not going to shoot today. Mm-hmm. Well, then you're just, you're, you're hurting yourself and, and setting yourself up. But, you know, I, I do understand that a lot of people, can't go out and, and shoot right in their backyard the way we can and that's one thing that we really fell in love with that what you were talking about earlier is the acubo mm-hmm. i mean just just getting reps in just keeping your muscles uh up and being able now they came out with those games you can play and i mean i still like to shoot deer on the video game so <laughs> yeah that reminds me of of shooting them at with the little the little fake gun at Bass Pro, putting the quarters in and getting to play those deer games. <laughs> oh yeah, yep, for sure. So you guys have a big. Uh, I see. I see you guys shooting the the big elk target 
all the time. And I know is it, it's not a 3D target, is it? No, I mean, it's, I think they call it 2D. It mm-hmm. is a, it's like they're life size and they're, a, they're it's, a, it's a print and it just goes on any, any type of target. You can hang it on a bag target or a block target. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah you have to take it down and they're, I don't know, a, a, a 3D elk target is probably somewhere 12, 12 to 1400 bucks probably. Right. And, you know, I think this one costs $90. Oh, wow. That's a great alternative. Yeah. And so, and they make them for everything. So we, we, you know, we try to shoot the whitetail, shoot the black bear, kind of whatever we're going hunting for coming up just to get that sight and stored in our mind of what it looks like with that pin on it. So I know you guys, you guys get to do, I don't know. I'm not going to say quite a bit, but at least a little bit of traveling um, and hunting. So what is that? So for me, I haven't, I haven't got to do a ton of that. I got to hunt antelope and some turkey and some other states, but I really want to go out and hunt elk this year over the counter. But what is your progression of, you know, starting to hunt out of state, starting to hunt other species? What does that look like? If this is, this is going to sound like a, uh, uh, a sales pitch and it's really not. <laughs> and I, I, I love these guys. And what we do is because we put in for so many draws in so many States because we try to get our chances. We want to go hunt elk. We want to go hunt mule deer. So, you know, we try to put in for as much as we can afford. And we got uh, hooked up with a company called the hunting fool or hunting fool. Mm-hmm. And, Man, them guys, they, they, that's what they do for a living. They help you get where you want to be, you know, whether that's physical, what species you want to hunt. Do you want to be with an outfitter? Do you want to do it by yourself? All these things, whether it's over-the-counter units, draw units, they study it year in and year out, and they know it to where I don't have time to study it that hard because I'm working a full-time job, and, you know, States change for every year. So if I, if I, if I study this year, the regulations and all that, well then next year I don't have time to read it all and, or, you know, really sit down and dig deep. We always try to read it as much as we can where we're going, but Mm -hmm. those little things under the table and they'll come back to bite you. So we got connected with the hunting fool and man, they, they've helped us tremendously. So have you have you got to harvest your first elk yet? I I shot an elk on a ranch in Texas, but mm-hmm. I have not killed one. And uh, I killed a cow just for meat mm-hmm. uh, back when I was a kid. But as far as hunting them in the mountains, I've been with Jessica, and I've I've not got to hunt them. This this year will be our first year that we're both going after them together. Where Where are you guys going after them this year? Uh, we're gonna. Being what we drew our first choice tag in Montana, mm-hmm. so we're going to be up in Montana to start with, and then uh, we might be in Idaho as well. Oh wow, that's going to be those are going to be some fun trips. Oh yeah, I can't. I mean, it's driving me crazy. Wait, what are you what are you doing um, physically to prepare for a hunt like that? Just the same. Jessica goes to. Uh, you know, Jessica goes to a little gym in, in town in the mornings and works out with a class. And then we, we jog, um, just try to stay physical. We put on our, our packs and load them down and try to hike up, you know, the hills that we can here in Texas. Um, so try to prepare as much as we can for the terrain and all that with what little we have to work with right here in Central Texas where we're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like it's really, I go to Colorado every, every winter to ski and I was up there fly fishing in March, but I, I just feel like it's so hard to emulate what actually, what it's actually like up there. I mean, oh, it's it insane. Is. Yeah, it, it is. And you know, we were in, we were in New Mexico, uh, three years ago and the first two days, yeah, they were, they were tough on me, but I, I don't know if other people, I, I, I got used to it pretty quick. Luckily I, I felt like, 
Mm-hmm. But it, man, my lungs were on fire for the first two days. <laughs> yeah, your lungs, your calves, <laughs> your legs. I mean, just doing it normally is tough. I couldn't imagine with a you know sixty or a seventy pound pack. Yeah, well, you know, we try to keep our like packing in. Um, so we we carry our camp and everything on our back, mm-hmm. um, and we try to keep it under thirty pounds. Oh wow, that's that's not so, bad at all then. Yeah, we're we range right around twenty five pounds, uh, but you know if if you get one on the ground, then that's where you'll jump up to your fifty sixty pound bags trying to you know get the meat out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I'm. I was told Jessica was telling me a story about a really unique buck that you got to harvest this year, and I kind of wanted to hear it. Um, from your perspective, you're the one that actually harvested it. So maybe you could go in depth of uh, your your uh, infamous kill from this year. Yeah, he's he's a uh, he's a really. I mean, he's typical Texas. What you think of Texas? I think he scored one hundred and twenty four inches, and I, I love the deer. He's my favorite deer. But it's funny whenever, you know, the pictures of Instagram started out and people started reposting it and things like that. I was getting the funniest questions, you know, about, dang, that score 165. And, and people, <laughs> it's not, it's, it's, it's funny because people that see these Texas deer, you know, they think they're way bigger than they are. But this deer, it was, I don't know, eight years ago, her dad was looking at buying a new place. Um, you know, the place next to him and we were going around looking and, uh, saw this deer out in the, in the cut cornfield and, and knew he was, you know, extremely wide yeah. and uh, we had never seen him on, you know, the, the original place that her dad owned. And it was a, uh, it was about a month after that the uh her dad bought the place and then you know just scouting around i found a a camera in the in the on the tree line that somebody had just left or i don't know whose camera it was and i it had a card in it so i'm guessing it was the you know landowner previous that just left it and um i checked the card and that deer was on there oh wow and he was just super super wide i mean little short times super wide and for the next six years we watched him and watched him started getting more pictures of him he was starting to be a lot more visible and three years ago he was we we had him aged at eight years old and we decided we were going to shoot him and we had seen him probably two days before and he was fine all was good and we decided we were going to shoot him. So Jessica was going to, you know, start hunting him. And we were sitting in the stand that morning and he came out and he had broke his whole right side of his main beam off. Oh, wow. So yeah, she decided not to shoot him. And then last year we didn't get a picture of it. I mean, none at all. So I thought, you know, something happened to him. He just, he probably just died of either old age or, you know, something, something happened to him, maybe a neighbor. For all those years, I don't know where he went or what he did, but we would never get a picture of him until after Thanksgiving. Right after Thanksgiving, he would show up. So, you know, this year all through, I think we put cameras out in July, didn't get a picture of him, didn't get a picture of him. Again, I'm thinking he he's not here anymore. Mm-hmm. And... It was, um, I think, like October 9th this year. I got a picture of him on a big oat field that we plant. And it was a nighttime picture. And I couldn't really tell if it was him, but I really thought it was. So I started started setting that stand quite often and started getting more nighttime pictures of him. And then right around the, I think, October uh, mid-October sometimes, and I was sitting in a tree, and here he comes walking perfect right to me 
in these oaks right across the oak field. And I, I thought, okay, he's going to come right where he wants to be. But he veered off and went down the tree line and started. I just videoed him and watched him making scrapes all the way down a tree line. And he walked off, or no, he came in and I came to full draw at him. And he was at 13 yards. Oh, wow. But for some reason, I just didn't. It was it was it was still shooting light, but it was it was kind of dark. And I told myself, man, he's he's in here, he's comfortable, he's been here for you know like ten days straight. We had pictures of him at night, so I let down. I didn't shoot him because I just thought to my if if I hit this deer bad, the history I have with him, and you know all the gunshots that I heard that I was cringing, thinking was him. Mm-hmm. If I hit him bad and wound him and don't find him, I'm, I'm, I believe I can make the shot, but I'm guessing myself right now. So I didn't shoot. I mean, it's probably one of the only times I made a good decision. Yeah. Didn't get a picture of him after that. Until thanks, the day after Thanksgiving. Didn't have any pictures of him. I, I was setting a different stand. And again, I didn't know where he went, what happened. And he came walking out right at daylight and I could tell it was him, but I could tell something was wrong with him. And we had a, uh, about a week before that, we had had a, uh, a doe get poached. Oh and, no. Yeah. So I, I was sitting there looking at him in the binoculars and I could tell something was wrong with him. And it, it was his bottom jaw. Something looked, you know, not right. He wasn't acting right. And, so immediately I thought, well, somebody shot him at night with the headlights and, you know, tried to head shoot him. And so I'm trying to scramble around while he ducks back in the trees. And now I'm panicking, thinking, you know, this deer that I've had pictures of for eight years is walking off. And, so, you know, he, he's not healthy at all. So he's going to go die and I'm never going to see him again. But right after it got you know, pretty good shooting light. He came out and his bottom jaw was just, and what I thought was just hanging. I mean, it was just nasty. He was real skinny, just not doing good at all. And I, I got a shot in him and he didn't make it probably 40 yards. And then when we got to him, we, his times were busted up pretty good, but we could tell it wasn't a gunshot. Another, He's always been known to be a fighter. Like I told you, whenever Jessica was going to shoot him, he broke his main beam. Mm-hmm. But every every year he breaks times. Points are gone. Tips are gone. It's just He's just all scarred up. And what had happened was I, I think I seen him, you know, him and another buck were running together. That was a, a four-year-old this year, so he was kind of in, you know, his prime, and I believe they got into it, and that that other buck is real, you know, kind of tall and not near as wide, Mm -hmm. where this deer is just, his horns just lay, basically he had no defense. I mean, his horns lay straight out. He's 24, 24, I can't remember exactly no, 20, I, I don't even remember what he was, 20, I'm going to say 24, for some reason I'm thinking 27. I think I saw 27 on your Instagram. Yeah, I believe he's 27, I just didn't want to be lying. So, he had no defense, and I, I, that, I think that deer, one of his tines came down and got between, uh, I could, we call him yardstick, got between yardstick's bone and his lip and just ripped it, and it was oh. hanging all all the way back at the, you know, like the back of the jawbones. Oh, wow. So, yeah, we, I, I got him and luckily I did because that was, I believe it was, he wasn't going to heal from that one because he had dropped a lot of weight. And when I saw him in October, he looked really healthy, you know, for, we know him, we've known him for eight years. And when we saw him, we felt like he was a anywhere, you know, three to four year old. So we don't know exactly how old he is. We just, we know for sure he was 10 plus. That's so, that's such an incredible story. And you just wonder what kind of stories he could tell. You know? Oh, I know. And I, you know, I, I have never experienced this 
to whenever I shot him, I was super excited, super pumped. But after I, I kind of got down, like, you know, I was sad for, for a while because I had put so much time into that one deer and not trying to kill him, but just trying to make sure I knew where he was, how he was doing. I wanted to get pictures. When I went and checked cameras, I wanted to see him. You know, every gunshot I heard during rifle season, I always thought, well, there he, there he went, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it, it was a sad moment. I still, like right now, seeing the bucks around the place growing out, I just, you know, I always used to think, well, that might be yardstick. And now I'm, now I'm just trying to find another one that I can grow with like that. He, he was a, a special deer that we, we talked about all the time. We looked at trail cam. We tried to pattern him, but he was a he was a special old guy. No, that's so awesome. I mean, I just love hearing stories like that. It's just such a it's such a testament of you know when I think of whitetail hunting and the peak of it. It's you know I think of the Midwest and I think of you know jury outdoors and just constant one sixty one seventy inch deer. But you know sometimes it's more than that. Sometimes it's just the relationship that in the game that you start to play with one over, you know, a series of several years. Oh yeah. I, I've been, I've been fortunate enough to kill a Midwest deer that scored 164 and he is, he's a brute, just a tank. But the, the, the story I have with this deer, this, this 124 inch deer means way more than me than that 164 inch deer. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy to me too how how tough these animals can be. It's I mean, I shot one this year that <clears throat> a four and a half year old, just not very big either, just a seven point, just over two hundred pounds, and he just I went up to him and I his face looked like a gosh, it looked like a watermelon, and I was like, what is going on here? And I pressed on his face, and like two different spots under his chin just started shooting out pus. And I was oh, wow. like, and I was like, this is disgusting. And like, he stank, like his eyes were like oozing. And I was just, I was like, man, I, I knew, I just knew he had been in, <laughs> in fights with other deer running around, getting poked, getting pricked, you know? And I just, man, it's just, it's cool to, to be able to harvest a deer that, you know, is just kind of the king of the castle, you know? Oh yeah. He, he, he was, I mean, for a long time, but you could like, you could tell the the last few times that I I saw him that just because of his, just because of his age he was starting to really get uh, you know pushed around picked on I mean his time was just you know up yeah I mean how do you how big since you got to have, live so many years chasing him how big do you think he was at his at his prime at his biggest stage I I don't you know I. He's never, he never was like, in my mind, the whole time, every time I saw him, he was a a coal buck, you know, Mm -hmm. he's always been real spindly horn. All he had was wit. That's it. He was wide. I mean, that's, he had, I mean, his horns are about as big around as my finger. His times are probably four, five inches long. Yeah. He's, he's definitely not the one we wanted breeding, but. I mean, he, we just had such a history with him and I don't think, I think by just going to looking back on him and things like that, I think he might've had a little more mass. So he might've, he might've been, you know, six, seven years old when we were getting good pictures of him. He might've broke one thirty, but yeah, I, I don't think he ever really, really changed, you know? Yeah. I mean, a 27 inch <coughs> wide frame ought to be a 200 inch deer. Yeah, I mean, that's insane. I mean, when you saw him coming through the brush, you were just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, that's crazy. But uh, one thing I wanted to talk about was I see that you guys are making a transition to, (laughs) I I think you guys call it tiny living, but uh, it's living in an art or renovated RV trailer. And I was wondering what, what, uh, what inspired you guys to, to make a switch like that? Well, Jessica and I have, uh, talked about it a lot, you know, and 
we don't ever judge anybody or the way they want to live their life. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's them. I think there's, it's a great thing to have people that are, you know, a, a young woman and a young man get married and they want to live in a nice house and have kid, all these kids. And, and that's fine. That's just not where Jessica and I were. We both eat, sleep and breathe traveling and hunting. Yeah. Seeing the world. And you know what, when we were able to come out here on our dad's place and um, get this little piece that we have, we had talked about building a house and we actually were meeting with the builder and getting all the drawings ready. And then we just got to thinking like, yeah, it'd be, be awesome to have a nice, you know, nice home that we built. We get to design and do all that. But, how much is it going to take away financially from us being able just to, you know, up and say this weekend we want to fly to Canada or fly to Montana mm-hmm. for four days. So we look at it like that. You know, we we do have our hunting trailer that we pull around to store all of our hunting gear. And we, we, we built out a little, a little washroom shed and stuff that helps, you know, store. But we love it. We, we honestly it's the way we want to live our lives and, and travel and see the world. And this is the only way that we could do it financially is, you know, live as cheap, cheap as we possibly could, but yet still be comfortable mm-hmm. and, and not tie a whole bunch of money up in a, in a, a mortgage or something. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, that's super interesting. I mean, it's, I, I really, I've thought about that myself and sometimes I think about sometimes I think about if you had the ability to live two lives like live life once and then live it again you know to see the alternative and to see what it would be like and I just so me now living in Austin and trying to you know develop my career so I can buy a house and some land and all that stuff and I just I think about how much that takes away from you know other things you want to do it's this constant tear of like well, I am passionate about hunting and I want to travel and do that. And I just, I always thought in my, in my alternate life, I would just, as soon as I graduated high school, I would move out to Montana and be a guide and live live out of a, you know, little uh, trailer or something like that. But I mean, I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome. It's, it's really, it also puts you in this, this scenario that it's like, I'm all in, you know, like, this is what I'm, this is what I'm passionate about. I'm willing to make the, these, the kind of decisions, um, so that I can go and hunt, like you said, where, whenever I want or wherever I want. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the way we looked at it. And, and when saying that, I'm not at all talking down about, you know, someone who does go out and get married. And I have friends that went out and got married and started popping out kids and, I love kids. Yeah. And, you know, I look at it that I would love to have a, I would love to have a nice house, but I'm not made of money either. And, you know, hunting outweighs having a, a big house to me at this, at this point in my life. And I don't know when that'll change. Jessica and I have talked about it, but mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't know when, when that's going to change. Cause you know, we're always outside doing something. We're never really in there. Um, it's a place we go to sleep and and we're we're remodeling it right now just to make it feel like home yeah i've been keeping up with you guys your remodel and i mean it's looking nicer than a lot of homes that, that i've seen so i mean props yeah, to you guys on that it's, yeah it's coming out really good that's the uh, mastermind uh, i just build whatever she tells me and a lot of times i argue with her and think it's gonna <laughs> look bad but it, it's coming along pretty good i'm pretty i'm pretty happy with it yeah no, I think I think that's awesome. I think I, I like I like what you guys are doing with that. But uh, I, another thing I wanted to to touch on is I saw that you had been able to go internationally and hunt. Is that correct? Yes. So maybe you could talk about your experience with that too. I mean, I know I'm not sure exactly where you went, but I know I have these aspirations i'd love to hunt south africa especially with my bow i'd love to take you know a ton of game or a ton of different game in a single trip but what's your experience um you know bow hunting internationally and you know what did you learn by doing that and i got we got the uh 
opportunity to go to Australia and hunt with some really good friends. And it was, uh, it's still probably the best just experience all around that I've, I've been a part of. It was amazing. It was nothing like I had ever dreamed of Australia being. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, you, you think of Australia, and I had it in my mind. I was going to get off the plane, and it was going to be desert and kangaroos everywhere, which there <laughs> were there were kangaroos everywhere. But it was beautiful mountains, rivers, creeks, the ocean. Like, you just come right off the mountain and see the ocean. It was gorgeous place. That's aw- What kind of game did you get to hunt while you were there? We were hunting hogs, fallow deer, um, red stag, and um, uh, like rams. Mm-hmm. So, what was the? What do you think the main differences from you know hunting North America and hunting there were? Um, I didn't get to you know I, I their spotting stock. We were, we were spotting and stalking a lot mm-hmm. or, you know, not as much, it was more like elk hunting for, you know, uh, most of it. So I wouldn't say there was a whole lot of difference, just, you know, the different trees and the different bird noises that you hear and you don't know what it is. You know, they, one fu- funny little story. I, the first morning I hunted by myself and. I was hiking through there and this little, I think it's called it uh, in Chetna or something. <laughs> and I thought it was a porcupine. So I just walked around it. Well, then I got back with Jessica and, and everybody else who was with us and they had one and they were picking it up and I'm looking at them like what in the world? <laughs> but it, yes, yeah, I mean, it doesn't shoot spikes or anything like a porcupine, but it was just so many neat, animals that i had never witnessed before you know trying to trying to stalk a fallow deer and a kangaroo blows your stock Ooh, just so many experiences that i don't get to see here and bird noises and it was just it was you know i was hunting hard but i made myself stop and and try to take as much in as i could right I mean, that's definitely important. I feel like it's it, you need to cherish something like that. I feel like that's a once-in-a-lifetime kind of trip, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. So did you – you were successful while you were over there, weren't you? Yes, I got a, uh, a really good ram and a, a really nice old fallow buck. Did you get to take those home with you? That's another story. I, I did and um, got all the way to Houston, Texas, and they – they took them from me. Did you never uh, get them back? Nope. Are you serious? Wait. <laughs> so did you, you had them packed in a bag or something like that? Right. We, we did everything. We bowled the skulls, did everything. And, uh, the Rihanna Carey was with us and, um, she, she shot a buck and I had her skull too. Cause her and Jessica flew from Australia and then went another two weeks in New Zealand. And oh, I had wow. to fly home and come back to work. So I brought all the all the capes and everything home and yeah, we lost it all. What was the what was the reason you just can't transport stuff like that internationally? Well, that's what Houston was saying, but everybody else, you know, hadn't had any problems and Houston called Aust- you know, Australian uh, wildlife, whatever, and talked to them and they were like, Well, yeah, we have those game here, and basically, yeah, his story checks out. But we have no, we we're not going to sign anything saying, yeah, he shot it here because we don't know. So there was this big deal that I was going to have to do uh, to try to fight and keep everything. Yeah. Or they told me I because I, I told him I said I'm not going to let this stuff go to waste. You know mm-hmm. what? What are my options? And they gave me an option to donate it to Texas A and M for science studies. So, uh, that's what I signed off to do and, and donated the skulls and everything to, uh, the university of Texas A&M. 
Well, I hope A and M really enjoys all that uh, all that hard work and money that you got yeah. to spend to go over there. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the uh, first animal that I actually packed a full animal out of of a off of a mountainside. Well, thank God in a 2019 environment, you have a phone and you know video, or you can at least always look back and cherish those because I don't. I don't know what I would do if, if I'd ever had any pictures and that and that oh, happened no. to me. Right. Yeah, for sure. I still I still go back and look and, and hoping hoping that we get to go again before long. So um yeah, I still look back on all those pictures and just try to try to remember everything, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, were you out there with were you out there with Adam Greentree? Yes. So how did you guys get linked up with him? I know he's kind of a, I'm not going to say unorthodox, but he's a, he's a really cool guy in the bow hunting space and his accent really, I, I really like listening to him. He's super entertaining. Oh, uh, he is a, uh, I mean, one of the best guys that I, I've ever hunted with. As far as if I had to pick someone to just, if I was starving, I would want him on my side. He is the ultimate. Yeah, he's, I mean, he seems like really, I mean, up up there with him and Cam Haynes and guys like that, they're just on like a whole nother level on how good they are at their craft. Oh, yeah, he, he is the ultimate bow hunter. I mean. He, he sleeps and breathes it, and he is very good at it. But we, uh, I mean, how it came, I think Adam's wife, Kimmy, and Jessica and Rihanna were at uh, a convention and just were, were talking, and it, they invited us to come out. So we were like, heck, yeah, we're, we're ready. That's so awesome. So that's just, how the, the relationship started. Yeah, just built great relationships, and we all stay in touch, and, and – hopefully get together another another time to hunt together but yeah just super people and that's you know that's really why jessica and i still really push the hunting side of things on social media that we do mm-hmm. you know that the the hate and the trash talking and stuff it just gets old it does because i look at hunting as i don't care how you hunt i don't care whether it's high fence whether it's midwest whether it's in the mountains, whatever you do, man, we're all a part of, we're a dying breed. And if we don't stick together, we're just going to die faster. So yeah, I support all types of hunting and it, uh, just the nonsense gets old, but then we look back at all the great people we've became really good friends with and all the adventures and things we've got to go on from social media. And that's really what keeps it going. Yeah, I mean, it's a great tool just to be able to network with people that share your passion. I know it's getting to a, a place nowadays where, you know, people are censoring what we're doing and, you know, it's a piece of meat and people are censoring that and, you know, that gets old. But, you know, then again, there's still this great culture around around hunting that I just, I love being a part of. I love following, you know, you guys. I love following Adam Greentree. I mean, just, it's, I'm glad we got people out there like that that are willing to i'm not a super extroverted you know on my opinion and i i try not to be just for sake of i don't really have time to argue with people but but uh no i'm I'm glad that we definitely have people like that that are willing to go out there and push that message and really push it unapologetically too oh for sure for sure yeah we we you know try to Try to tell it exactly the way it happened without offending or trying not to offend as many people as we can. You know, in some of our videos, we made one this year uh, that we entered in the Badlands Film Fest. We didn't put the kill shots in. Hmm. And it, and and I was really against it because I'm a big one. I love to see that flight of the arrow. And oh, I yeah. Love but, you know, it really told a, a special I, I loved it whenever I watched the final product. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're out there, you know, 
doing what we do because we love to do it. Yeah. And, but, but yet still trying to present it because there's a lot of people that are on one side and then there's a lot on our side, but there's a lot in the middle that don't know which way they want to lean to. Yeah. So if we can get some of them to come over and be on our side, that's only helping us all. I mean, I agree. I, I think it's, if you're spreading the message of hunting in a, in a positive way and it's just, I've always heard the, the term that facts don't care about your feelings. You know, it's like you just throw out there the truth and you don't say it in a way that's, you know, douchey or, you know, I don't like what you do or I hate you because you oppose this or, you know, there, I, I would say the majority of the people are in the middle on it. You know, it's like, I don't really care <laughs> or, you know, but I think there's a lot of people um, that are influenceable out there. It's like the National Wild Turkey Federation has a, a movement. I think it's called R3, and it's retaining, reactivating, and recruiting new hunters. You know, there's yes. there's people out there that are going to be hunters the rest of their lives, and you know, and they, they haven't even done it yet. And so oh, it's yes. like it's so exciting that we get to we get to share that with people, and you know, social media is really just a way to do it. Oh yeah, it's it's you know for Jessica and I are no big names by any mean, uh, but you know even like she teaches, she goes to these camps and teaches young girls archery and that. But you know the biggest, the happiest I was was when Joe Rogan switched. I mean he he changed the game. He is such a he reaches so many people and just. I think he he brought a lot to the hunting industry. He comes out and he's like, yeah, I like hunting. You know, 96% of you people eat meat and I go out there and do it myself. What's wrong with that? Like I'm, yes. I'm eliminating the middleman that has to go out there and do the killing and then act like it doesn't happen. So, I mean, he's really been telling this incredible narrative and just, just having. Yeah, I really, I really respect what Joe Rogan, you know, I, I don't know how Joe Rogan, I, I feel like, uh, Cameron Haynes probably had a lot to do with it, and them are just awesome people. So, uh, people that I look up to and I respect, and I've had the pleasure of meeting mm-hmm. uh, Cameron, you know, uh, quite a few times, and just people that we need as hunters. We need those guys. Right. Where have you Where have you been able to meet Cam? I've met Cam. Well, you know, through Jessica. Um, you know, Cam and Jessica. Uh, both work with some of the same companies so i've got to be around cam on uh you know the trade shows and things like that and then uh, jessica you know gets to spend a lot more time with him than i do and they've became friends with just the groups they hang out with and the companies they work with so Mm -hmm. uh, i've met him you know multiple times at trade shows or dinners and things like that that's awesome yeah i mean he him and and Adam Greentree, those are like when I when I first started podcasting and stuff, I was like, you know what, I, I will know that I'm doing something okay when I can get a guy like that to come and talk to me because those dudes are just they're all time on bow hunting and they have such a such a wide influence. I just one day I think I that would be the dream is to talk to one of those guys. Oh yeah, and they're both when you talk to them, you realize they're just guys i mean they're yeah just down to earth and great people yeah yeah definitely well man i think that's most of the questions i had i, I just wanted to basically just have a kind of an open conversation i feel like we've had yeah. a, a pretty good one. Oh yeah no that's how i like pretty much all the podcasts that the few that i get asked to be on uh, that's kind of just what we do just have a good time that's how i like them yeah, man, I I am not. I'm also not too far from you guys, so when I'm coming through, whether I'm going home or maybe just one weekend, I'd love to come up and either get lunch with you guys or, or shoot or do something. Man, bring your bow anytime. We tell people that all the time. We come shoot whenever you want to. All you don't, all you gotta do is just call and say, "Hey, I'm on our, on my way," and if we're there, you're more than welcome. Man, I, that's that's exciting. I would love. I would love to do that with you guys and 
I really appreciate both of you guys coming on the podcast now. I felt like it was once I found out that <laughs> Jessica was like, yeah, my husband did it. I was like, you know what? It's kind of disrespectful of me to talk to her before her husband. So I was like, I'm going to get oh, no. Braxton on the podcast too. And I get that a lot. I get <laughs> yeah. that a lot. She, you know, she, she does it full time. So she, she, she gets to do a lot more adventures and podcasting and things like that than me. But I like to see her doing what she loves and I'll tag along whenever I can. It's, it's all fun. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that we got to talk. Um, I look forward to linking up with you in person. This is one of the first people on the podcast that I've kind of been close enough with to, to, you know, to actually meet up with. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, man. Anytime. Like I said, just let us know. We're we're here all the time, or pretty much all the time. So I will not be here in September. So <laughs> you know what? I don't. I don't think I will be either. I got a whole week off the first week of September. So I'm. <laughs> I'm I'm going going out. Good man. Well, I can tell you some pointers of some things I, I've known and I learned uh, on over the counter stuff. Yeah, well, we have to we'll have to link up and, and and do that, or maybe that can be another podcast episode. I'd love to have you back on in the future. Heck yeah, buddy! Sounds good, man. Well, I appreciate it, man, and you take it easy, and I look forward to linking up with you soon. All right, sounds good. Thank you. All right, man. Have a good All night. Right. Hey guys, appreciate the listen to the Hunter's Advantage podcast. 